Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. Today's guest is Stephanie Westbrook, who is based in Sydney, Australia, and currently coaches the University of New South Wales Warriors premier dance teams. Over the years, her teams have won multiple national championships, multiple international bids, and dance grand champion titles. And Stephanie has also received several awards for her choreography. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. She talked to me about how she only gets one hour a week with her team. Like that just blows my mind. One hour. It's crazy to me. So I talked to her all about building team morale and trust, and she shares some great exercises to try in the summer to set up your team for success. And even more advice about turning things around when morale is low, what it means to be competitive, and Stephanie's great advice for drop it and swap it. She also shares advice on how to start a team from scratch and her coaching non-negotiables. This was such a fun interview, and I'm ready to share it with you right now. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from Australia today. That's so amazing. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and really excited to have a a really great chat about dance with you. Yes, thank you. Will you introduce yourself? Tell my audience a little about you and your dance world. Sure. Um, So my name is Stephanie. Um, I started dancing from a very young age, around the age two, three. Um, I began in a Stedford world, so doing solos, trios, duos, troops. Um, From there, when I was about a teenager, I joined amateur musical theatre and began performing on stage, as I also like acting and drama and the theatre. When I enrolled in university, I attended the University of New South Wales. I joined um, the university dance team, which introduced me to the world of all-star dance and cheer. From there, I joined a local um, all-star club who focused mainly on cheer. Um, which was something brand new to me because I'd always been a dancer, but I just loved the energy and it was something new, which was exciting for me. Um, From there, I became really close with that head coach and then I asked if I could introduce All-Star Dance to her All-Star Cheer program. And um, 10 years later, the dance program there grew really strong, which was very exciting. Um, I was then um, scouted at a competition from a an executive member at the university team that I had originally um, started my journey with. So that was the University of New South Wales. Um, She approached me via email and said, we saw you at competition and your energy with your team was fantastic. Would you come and coach for us? And I said, absolutely. We'd love to kind of return to that space. Um, I've been coaching there ever since, focusing in all all of the different styles All-Star has to offer. Uh, I'm also a an ex-professional dancer so I cheered for the National Rugby League and the National Basketball League which is your equivalent of NBA and NFL Um, and I've choreographed um, multiple amateur musical theatre productions locally. I'm also a high school teacher so I've got a lot on my plate. I like to do a lot with my life while I can. Oh my god I feel like we all have 50 hats at all times (laughs) Uh, but that's 
<laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love your journey and that you get to like circle back to the place that kind of started it and sparked that for you and yeah. found All-Star. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah. One of uh, the things that you and I had talked about kind of offline that we clicked with is talking about team morale and building that kind of program where the dancers really are, you know, they click, they get along, they care about each other. And that's, you know, the we understand, right? That team morale is that foundation. That's that first really important piece. So uh, and you even said how somebody, they were asking you to come coach because they love your energy. And I said that when we first turned on the call, I was like, ah, I love your energy. It's it's there. <laughs> I feel that. And I'm sure that helps with the team morale piece. But will you, let's talk about building team morale. Like how do you start off your new season and kind of building that morale with a new team? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, the most important thing is having a positive classroom climate. So I really strongly believe that everyone deserves to feel special and everybody that I teach or that I coach, I want to make them feel really special for who they are and what they can bring to the team, whether that's their skill, whether that's their interpersonal skills. You know, um, there, there are so many individual strengths within a team and I really want everybody to feel valued and noticed within the team. Um, I do, you know, lots of trust building activities at the beginning of the season, lots of small groups. Um, type work. Um, I also encourage my dancers to perform a solo within the first few weeks. Um, so it's kind of their way of being able to showcase their skills, um, but then also encouraging the team to be as strong as one another. So if there's someone on my team who maybe doesn't have as strong a technical skills as someone else, they see, I guess, the caliber of talent on the team and they kind of rise to that and think, oh, I want to be really great for my team. So it's, it's all about building those connections and making everybody feel special and valued for, for what they can bring for me. It's really yeah. important. Oh, I love that. And I love that you talked about bringing what they bring to the team that may not necessarily be the technical skill. And I think for some dancers to understand that their place and what they bring and their value is more than just what they can contribute to the competitive routine. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like technical skills can always be learned. And, and practiced and um, refined over time. But, you know, sometimes there's just that one person that has those organizational skills or those social skills that kind of brings everyone together. So I think that team dynamic is really important, trying to yeah. fit everyone together and find their place. I think that's really special. Absolutely. Well, and I like, I like the solo idea. It makes me think about it from, so you have and your all-star gym, are they mostly your team, like the college and older level or they, how old are we talking about that that works well for? Yeah. yeah so um, my, my first studio that I was kind of working with, my all-star club, we had an age range of um, juniors all the way up to adults. Um, mm -hmm. And when I was working with them, there was one um, particular hip hop team. It was one of our stronger teams where I was really driving home this idea of performance. So, you know, you need to perform on the stage as if you're on there by yourself, you know, even though you are surrounded by a team. So we did um, solo performances so that everyone could really enhance their performance opportunities and their own individual performance skills. Um, but now for me, I only coach um, universities, so premier dance teams, and they are all university students, most of them mm -hmm. around the 20 years old age group. Um, you know, they've, they've had a lifetime of skill and they're all ready to go. So I feel like that little showcase opportunity makes them feel really special. And it also, you know, really shows me what they're capable of. Because sometimes mm -hmm. I think as coaches, we get so caught up in, I've got this choreographed, but then 
I really try and utilize, okay, what do you guys enjoy doing on the floor? And I try and speak to that as much as I can. That's when they feel really special. Oh, that's so true. Well, and I mean, and I I feel like it says a lot about your program because I think doing those kinds of showcases could be intimidating or scary or like coach is, you know, evaluating me or everybody else is looking at me and like, it could be really scary, but that clearly that's not what that feels like to them. So can you speak a little bit to the culture that makes that a positive experience for them? Yeah, sure. So um, positive reinforcement is um, something I try to do a lot. So always focusing on the really happy, positive things as opposed to highlighting any negatives or anything within everything that we do. Um, I think as well, building a culture of trust, especially in um, the creative arts. So at school, I'm a visual arts um, dance drama teacher, but then obviously with dance coaching, you know, there's there's a lot of trust that needs to happen in those spaces because you're quite vulnerable in putting yourself out there creatively. So I think um, making mistakes and failure, whatever that kind of looks like to some people, um, I really try and model that. So I make mistakes all of the time and my girls know that. And, um, you know, if somebody picks up on something or corrects me, I, you know, thank them and I say thank you. And then I get back on track and I think creating that, um, that trust and that relationship of let's fail together and have a laugh about it, but let's learn from it and then get even better and just focus on what we can do and kind of work towards being even better rather than focusing on what you can't do. I think that's really important to build that culture. Oh, for sure. You were speaking my love language. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have anything like a concrete example of an exercise or a game or something that you do early in the season that helps with that team morale or trust? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a few. Um, so in the first few lessons of our season, um, we we try to do as much as we can. We train um, for one hour a week per team, per style. So um, we try and cram a lot into that hour because it goes very quickly, especially with COVID and things. We've had so many people away. Um, so just trying to utilize the time we have has been really difficult. But we do do some really specific things to kind of set that set that team morale for the season. So the first thing that we do is we actually, um, I break our team off into small groups and we score routines. So I give them the competition scorecard and I show them two videos, um, one that I believe in my professional judgment would score higher on the scorecard and one that maybe has a little bit more room for um, critique or improvement. And I get them to see, okay, this is what the judges are looking for. Um, and then so they can kind of name and describe what it is that would help a routine score a certain result on a scorecard. Um, and then ultimately that feeds back into, okay, well, now as an athlete, this is what I need to do to work towards that higher end of the scorecard. Um, we are so lucky in the dance, uh, in the all-star dance world that we have a scorecard. You know, back in the Stedford world, it's just one lady sitting at a desk kind of making her judgment. But um, I think having that scorecard is, is really valuable. So we'd be silly as coaches not to use it and not to introduce it to our students because I feel like a lot of athletes haven't seen the scorecard or don't actually know what it's about. So for me, right. it's important that everybody knows what the judge is looking for. So in terms of, you know, giving them that drive to stay motivated and work towards that end goal, that's something we do. We also, um, one of my favorite things that I introduced this year was another small group activity, different groups this time, breaking it up. So 
so they get to know each other. I gave them a sheet of paper and some markers and I said, okay, I want you to write down some describing words that you want our team to be known for. So how do we want our team to be described? And then we um, refined it down to two adjectives or describing words per group. We came together and shared those words. From those collective words, I then reduced it to two, and then I created banners and had banners printed that I bring to every lesson and we hang that in the room. So for um, my Premier Hip Hop team, we are powerful and driven, and they're our two describing words. So we see that every training session, we're gonna take them to competition, end of every lesson, I'm like, were you powerful? Were you driven today? And we can kind of check back in with that. So staying motivated to, our ultimate goal and value of the team. And um, that's something that's been really great this term. Um, another thing I do with my um, lyrical and jazz groups is I get them to break off into pairs and they choreograph their own little technique combo and then they have to teach that to the rest of the class. So I think it, there's a really valuable experience in having your athletes teach each other because they then understand okay, if I want their arm to be this certain way, how am I going to get them to do that? Or does their leg need to be in this certain position? So then it reflects back when I'm trying to, you know, your arm needs to be here, your leg needs to be here. They've had that practice and they understand what it's like to be on my side of, of the coaching. So um, that really helps as well. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, such a, so many good ideas. Thank you for being open and sharing what you, what you do and what helps and kind of along those, I love so many things in there that like the small groups and changing them up and, you know, drilling into your values and making them present every single time. And, uh, it, there is a lot of value in them understanding what it's like to be a teacher. I think that does yeah. help all the future practices. I've seen that too. Uh, such great ideas. Uh, kind of along those lines, you said earlier about, you know, that you are open to mistakes and open to, um, you know, being more vulnerable and encouraging that. I love that you model that for your dancers. I think that's amazing. And to show that like, I'm not some magical special person who's better than you, right. That we're in this together. But so along that of being a little vulnerable, if you would share a time that your team, one of your teams, any team had uh, either really low morale or motivation was just not there. Cause I think even the best programs have those slumps, right? We have those times when things are really down. So if you'd be willing to share a time like that, when things just weren't working, like what was going on and what did you do to turn it around? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there's a couple of times that had happened most recently with um, COVID lockdown when we were training online, people were slowly dropping off throughout the season um, and it, to not have a competition season. I think that really um, stopped a lot of people in their tracks. You know, as dancers, we have this end goal. We're working towards something and to, to have that taken away was a little bit confronting, I think, for a lot of us. Um, so our, our jazz routine at the time was quite dark and a little bit more intense and it just wasn't fitting because you know we all needed a bit more of an uplifting energy so um, what we did was um, I have this mentality of drop it and swap it if it's not working or if it's not happening drop what you're doing and swap to something else because there's no point fighting something um, that's not working and you know at that time we needed a bit more happiness in our lives we needed a bit more energy and we needed an end goal so what we did was we worked towards an end of year showcase where 
I produced a film of their dance. It was almost like a little music video um, of the mm -hmm. choreography. And it, it gave us that end goal, something to work towards, but then also re-energized the group and kind of brought the happiness back, which was really important. Another time with my, um, my old studio that I coached at, we um, surprisingly enough, morale was quite low when we had won multiple competitions in a row, which seems mm -hmm. bizarre because you think that would be fueling the energy, but you know, yeah. we kind of just plateaued and um, I'll be oh, honest, there were not many other um, competitors in our section. So we were kind of at some of the competitions we went to, we were the only one in the section, so we'd win. And you know, it just, yeah. we weren't really driven to kind of fight for it because it was kind of handed to us. Um, so mm -hmm. what I did was, I wanted to kind of build the morale within the team and kind of strengthen that back up and remind us how special we all were because everyone individually was feeling really flat. So um, I introduced the compliment jar activity. So I went out mm -hmm. and I purchased from the dollar store lots of um, small glass jars and I wrote personalized name tags and attached them to each jar and took them to training. Everybody got little slips of paper and we anonymously wrote a compliment to each person on the team. Um, whether that was about their skill, about their personality, just something we valued in that person. And, um, you know, I actually had an ex-athlete contact me a couple of months ago who I haven't coached now for over five years. And she said, you know, I found my jar the other day and thank you so much. Oh. I was feeling really low. And that just, that just really touched me a lot because, you know, oh. it's the little things you do that have a lasting impression. And I think, um, you know, if the, if, if the team feels happy and confident as a unit, then they're going to achieve amazing things. So um, as long as they're happy within themselves and within the team, then, you know, you're going to have success. So. Oh, I love that. Cause you're right. It's easy to, if we're constantly looking outward for our definition of success is winning or somebody telling us we're good or, you know, everything is outward for validation to find motivation, you got to turn in, like you got to find it within. And if finding that within your, within your group and having them discover that again, that's really amazing. I love that. Yeah. So if some of the athletes were feeling low, other athletes on the team would kind of, you know, pick them up. And so, yeah, it just, mm -hmm. it was really, really nice time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so special. And I love that she like found it years later. That's the best, but you know, that it was there and she found it when she needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think based on what you said earlier, you started your program at one point, right? Like started the dance pro all-star as part of an existing cheer program, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there were, I think our first team, we had a hip hop team of five people, myself included, because we had to make numbers um, and they were all, they were all cheerleaders. So um, yeah, it was a interesting transition. <laughs> yeah. Starting from the ground up. I love that. If you were to start a team from scratch now, because I think some of my listeners are either in that boat or have been there considering it. And it's hard to like start something completely from the ground up. Right. So any advice for starting from scratch? Yeah, absolutely. I think getting to know your athletes and allowing your athletes to get to know you is so important because if you're, you are building that initial relationship. And um, again, as we spoke about earlier, that culture of trust and that positive environment. So you need to kind of let down your walls and get to know each other. When I first started my um, teams, I actually, made a little um, a form where I said, getting to know you. And I had them sit down with some markers and we kind of did it together in class and they wrote down their answers, you know, simple things like, do you have a nickname? What kind of music do you like? 
do you enjoy standing at the front of the routine? Is that important to you? So some kind of personality getting to know you and then also athlete getting to know you. So I could really have an understanding, okay, these are the kind of people I'm working with. How am I going to make them feel special in my room, in my, in my training session? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I love being able to pay attention to who's in the room and pay attention to who they are and what they need. And those little small things go a long way when you know what their favorite candy is. And like, they need a little pick me up and you know what you can bring. Like I, I started doing that with my high school program. Um, same kind of idea. And it's like just a subtle little thing like that. Like I know you're having a a bad day. I know what to do. Or if I'm going to get a whole bunch of, you know, little trinket things. I know your favorite color and I can make sure everybody's matches what they want. And like people, like I personally don't really like pink and people know (laughs) that about me. (laughs) It's nice to be like, I'm not your hot pink girl. Like I want something else. (laughs) And just, yeah, getting to know those little things, just showing that you care about the human behind the dancer, right? That that's what's there before what skill you can do for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'd, I'd ask them, you know, what kind of music do you listen to or who's your favorite artist? And then I'd try and incorporate that artist into our warm up. So everyone oh, kind great. of had their their moment, which was quite nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Because you can get wrapped up in like your favorites or whatever. You have a senior or a veteran member who makes the playlist and then it maybe it's not their style. And yeah, that's very true. I love that. Yeah, just trying to speak to everyone and, um, you know, their values and trying to acknowledge those and make them feel special again. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I would love to dive into values a little bit because I think clearly the way you're talking, it's something you've thought through before and that you have a sense of your own kind of coaching values and where, where you stand. So maybe this is like a different way of asking a values question rather than what are they, but like, what's a non-negotiable for you as a coach? Um, Oh, so many, (laughs) but if I had to kind of, um, refine it down I'd say effort and respect for me are so important um I appreciate nothing more than someone who's a hard worker whatever that looks like for them so I I don't like it doesn't matter to me if you're the most technically competent dancer or if you're a beginner if you're showing up to training and you're working hard for me every session man I value that so much that yeah something that's really important to me and respect I think respect for your craft, respect for your fellow athletes and your coach, and then also extending that respect into the community when you attend competition. You know, I think something I love so much about the all-star world is how friendly, especially um, in Australia. I mean, I can't speak to other other countries or other places, but in Australia, our um, Australian All-Star Cheerleading Federation competitions are so happy like they're just such an amazing place to be because everybody genuinely supports one another and I think that's so refreshing in these times um yeah yeah so it's really important that's really cool I love that and I've definitely I mean I've speaking to the states like I've seen it both ways and you know but I've had those experiences where they really are genuinely people care for each other and supportive and that's amazing did you do you think you got to that non-negotiable like early on in your coaching career or was there like lessons along the way that made that your thing? Um, I think there's definitely been like with everything lessons along the way, working with lots of different types of people, working, um, you know, coaching myself and then returning to university and being the student again and then kind of seeing it from both sides. I think, you know, I think you've mentioned on your show before, you know, the best educators are lifelong learners. And I think, you know, as long as they're willing to, 
stay open-minded about being on both sides, being the educator and the educated, I think is um, really valuable. Mm -hmm. So I think keeping an open mind that way and that level of respect, I think I have definitely learned from being on both sides of the, of the stage. Very true. Yeah. yeah, very true. Um, one of my favorite questions I love asking my guests is about your definition of success. And you know, I think you've shared with me before that you're not necessarily a like competitive person, but you know, looking at your resume and your success, like you also have national championships. So there's something there that like, it's, it's not just all, you know, there, there's more to it that, that there has to be a piece to that competitive side. So will you share a little about your definition of success? And if, you know, the, if it's not about competition, like what translates to competitive success? Cause I don't think it's an accident. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so success for me is a feeling. It's, it's a measure of your efforts. So I think um, because, you know, personally, I'm an only child and I've grown up against myself my whole life. I've never really had anyone close by to compete against. I've always been a competitor in the dance world and the sporting world, but I've never been competitive because I'm so mm -hmm. intrinsically motivated to beat myself that as long yeah. as I'm doing my best, you know, it doesn't matter that like what's happening around me um, and you know that translates I guess to competition you know if my team wins that's a reflection of their dedication and their hard work and my dedication and my hard work as a unit you know not a reflection of other other people against us so I think um, for me my um, university hip-hop team has been national champions for um, a few years now and you know that's not me wanting to be national champion every year. That's me saying, okay, what did I do last year and how can I beat that this year? So I'm constantly in competition with myself. I'm constantly wanting to learn and try new things and just, yeah, to one-up myself every time. So I, I am my own competition and that um, translates into my coaching, I think. I remember um, my first, one of my first competitions, um, I took my team of five, myself included, hip hop team to the initial competition for the year. And I said, guys, you know what, let's just go out there and remember it. You know, we, we had a bit of a tough year. I was like, as long as we get out there and have some fun and remember it. We ended up not only winning our section, we won dance grand champion, and we also won a bid to compete in Hawaii. And that was just the biggest shock I think we've ever experienced. Yeah. You know, we were purely approaching it from that intrinsic point of view. And look, I won't lie, it is nice to be validated externally by other people. But again, it's not that winning. It's not that I'm the best. It's the they value how much hard work and effort we put into. And I think that mindset has always been with me my whole life. Yeah, I've never really been a competitive person. Yeah. Will you, maybe this is like drilling into it a little bit, but share what that looks like in practice. Like, how does that translate to how you actually coach? Like, do you explicitly talk to your dancers about that? Is like, what does practice look like so that they know that that's your definition of success and they're not like scared to make a mistake on stage because coach is going to be mad that we lost? Yeah, yeah. So um, they know, and I make that very well known at the beginning of the season that I'm not a competitive person. So all of my athletes who know me know that. I think what I do do though is set high expectations. So there's that expectation, you know, I set the bar quite high and, you know, your athletes can only rise to as high as you place the bar. So if you're placing that low bar for them, that's kind of where they're going to meet um, your expectation. But, you know, I set 
I set my expectations pretty high and then it then becomes not about winning but then about um, meeting my expectations which I think then internally fulfills the team um, yeah. as well and we, we measure our success through our personal satisfaction um, or that realisation of you know we um, are starting for example in hip hop um, we've got a little partner trick that we started in the second training. Everyone was falling over and it was not mm -hmm. working. And now, you know, we're a week out from competition and we nailed the timing and it was just that amazing feeling of that effort over time. So I think yeah. maintaining that mindset of, of you know, let's just work hard and kind of meet the bar of where Coach Steph has set her expectations. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think that, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's so well said. And I, and I don't want to have listeners think that being a competitive person is bad. Like if that is your mm -hmm. style and that is your drive, that's fine. Um, but I, I think there's a misconception that if you're not competitive, that you are like just easy and not like that there's no drive. And I don't like, that's not, those don't have to go together. Like you can still yeah, be no. really driven. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, competition is healthy. I think that competitive drive is you know, part of being a human, you know, I think it's really mm -hmm. normal. Um, it's just, yeah, for me personally, that's just not how I'm wired. So I think um, there are right. strengths in, you know, different coaches approaches and different um, dynamics in different teams. And I think, you know, it works for me and it works for my team, but it may not work for somebody else's program. Like I said, we're currently a university team that trains for one hour a week. You know, if we had a more mm -hmm. competitive program, we could, I mean, look, in a perfect world, I'd train for five hours a week, but it's just not feasible for our program. So I think um, there's a kind of a level of realisation and reality where I go, okay, we've got an hour a week, relative, like realistically, how much are we going to be able to achieve? And I just, you know, mm -hmm. stay within my parameters of, you know, what's feasible for me and my yeah. team. I, okay. I think I have to speak for some of my audience when I say an hour a week, how do you accomplish anything? Like how yeah. do you allocate your time and your energy in an hour a week? Yeah, look, I'll be honest. It's tough, <laughs> especially as I was saying earlier with COVID. Um, as I said, we're a week out from competition and last week was our first training session with the whole team present. So wow. if that says anything, yeah. Um, mm. I'll, I'll be honest. First, um, competition of the year the training sessions leading up to that yes our initial sessions are getting to know you team bonding but then we do jump straight into routine choreography um, after the first competition there's more room for perfection and cleaning and advancing skills and that sort of stuff but um mm -hmm. yeah it, time is tough I'll be honest um, I really do rely on my athletes to put in a lot of time and effort outside of training mm -hmm. whether it's revising choreography or strengthening their skills personally. Um, and then I also encourage athletes to arrive early to training to kind of catch up if they've missed something. So it is tough, I'll be honest. And mm -hmm. um, I'm so proud with, uh, of my team for, you know, achieving so much. An hour a week, it, it just seems like nothing really, but they do really oh, yeah. well. And we, um, we really knuckle down in that time. And I think because I'm quite direct and explicit in what, what I'm looking for or what I'm requiring or asking of them they um you know are able to work really efficiently in the time we have yeah that's well said and I I like my mind's blown over an hour a week but <laughs> I also think you're right that if you would just you fill the time you have so if you had five hours you'd use it if you had 20 hours you'd use it but if you have one and your dancers know you have one it's like 
efficiency has a whole other name to it. Like you have to be so dialed in and focused on what you're going to achieve. That's really, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Circling back when you were talking about your team's success and being able to uh, achieve so much in an hour and have a, and have a program that is so successful. Are there daily habits that you think are part of that success? Are there things you always do at practice or you encourage your athletes to always do maybe outside of practice that helps your success? Yeah, sure. Um, As you said, an hour a week, there's only so much you can achieve in an hour a week. You know, progress really happens when you're consistent in your daily routine. Um, So I really encourage Obviously, I have no control over whether they do it or not (laughs) when they're Mm -hmm. at home. Obviously, they're all quite busy and everybody has lives. Um, But I really strongly encourage stretching, strength training and cardio. I just think they're so important. Um, Mm -hmm. The strength training, I know you've spoken about that before in previous episodes. Yes, strength training can make such a difference to, um, you know, muscle movement and control and, and all of that. It's so important. Stretching, you know, it's in it like it's just you have to stretch you know but um my dad and my contemporary team um and cardio you know to get through um a two-minute routine the strongest teams you will see are as strong Mm -hmm. at the end as they are in the beginning and that's absolutely your cardio strength training kind of working together um another thing i really encourage my teams to do is listen to the music daily if not weekly I think musicality for me is so important and a lot of my choreography relies on the music and it's kind of this visual representation of what you're hearing so if they're not right on that beat you know it kind of not ruins the choreography but it just doesn't execute or um, mm-hmm. show that vision as much as I'd like to so I think yeah i really push, listen to the music, go for a run, have the song on repeat, you know, listen to it in the car, whatever you need to do. Um, Yeah, that's really important for me. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So then do you think your dancers heed that advice and are doing those daily habits at home? And what do you think contributes to like them actually doing that when you're, like I said, you can't control it. You can't force them. Yeah, look, I like to hope so, but (laughs) I obviously will never know. Um, I think Definitely the fitness and the cardio is a big one. So that's something you can really clearly see, you know, can they maintain that um, that level of energy throughout the whole routine from start to finish? And yes, that does come with practice of the routine as well. So at the beginning of the season, you know, you're learning so much and then you kind of cram in the ending just before competition. So <laughs> I think, um, yeah, repetition is really important. So that, that constant practice mm-hmm. of whatever you're doing. And I think, yeah, definitely over time you see it. Yeah. Well, and I think they, it has its own like built in punishment. It's not really a punishment, but like if you're not doing your cardio, then when you come to practice and you can't get through the routine, we can all tell. <laughs> like we yeah, know absolutely. that's there. So yeah. Kind of back to that intrinsic drive of like, you can feel it. If you can't get through this routine, then you got to own that and do something about it when you're not here for our practices. Yeah, and absolutely circling back to, you know, at the beginning of the season when I when I show them those videos and ask them of routines and ask them to score against the scorecard, you know, I, I point out really clearly, you know, the the highest scoring team is strong all the way through and they don't get there by just rocking up to one hour a week practice. You know, they're they're putting in the hours right. outside of training. So everything it's all relative, everything kind of feeds into one another. So I think they definitely get it. 
um, being university students and having jobs, you know, it's obviously very hard, but I think, you know, the physical training is just as important for them in their daily lives. So mm-hmm. really helpful and beneficial. So true. Well, you've already shared some amazing advice and tidbits of things that coaches can go try, but uh, to wrap it up, do you have, you know, other pieces of advice or things that you would share with any of our listeners that are trying to either like build that team morale or kind of set that stage for a really strong season? Yeah. um, So again, I've already said it, but just to reiterate, building that relationship of trust um, and Mm -hmm. modeling failure and mistake making as a positive thing. Um, You know, there's there's this kind of idea in dance that we have to be perfect all the time. And I think, you know, the best things come from when we're not perfect all the time. So we learn the most and we grow the most when we make those mistakes. And as a coach, modeling that is so valuable because that's how they learn. So um, my girls know I make mistakes all the time and I am happy when I make a mistake and they can correct me and I can give them that that thanks, you know, thanks for looking out for me as I look out for you. Um, as well, I think it's really important as a coach to share your passion because I feel passion feeds passion. So, you know, the girls see me rock up to training every week with our banner and my book of formations and I'm like, right, guys, we've got so much to get through today. And then they're driven and they're motivated to kind of be on my level mm-hmm. of enthusiasm, which I think is, mm-hmm. has been really valuable. Um, I yeah. think last but not least, believe in yourself and your team so much greatness can come from just believing in someone and I think you know back to my idea of everybody deserves to feel special um you'd be surprised how much somebody's mindset can change with just your level of belief and encouragement in them so don't underestimate Mm -hmm. as a coach how valuable that can be to an athlete and um, vice versa Absolutely. Oh, that's so well said. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate your time and being with us. I love, I could talk, we could talk about lots more. Uh, <laughs> is, will you just share where people can like find you or get to know you a little bit better? Anything you want to share? Last thoughts? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm very open as an educator and as a dancer, you know, um, having these conversations and helping people wherever they may need to, whether they're starting out or in their final years or whatever they're doing. So anybody can feel free to contact me um, via email at stephanie.westbrook.coach at gmail.com and I'd be happy to help anybody or have a chat with anybody who wants to or needs to. That's so generous of you. Thank you. I will um, make sure that link is in the show notes so people can find you. But I really appreciate you coming on to share your thoughts and views and how you've been able to create such a successful program. And especially in a way that feels like your successful program, not just the competitive success. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for your show. Um, It's really, really helping a lot of people out there. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.